Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about romantic comedies and some of the tropes that are perpetuated or pushed or indoctrinated into us by romantic comedies. Now, I've talked about romantic comedies quite a bit here. I do have an episode early on, I think probably episode 20 or so, my five favorite romantic comedies. In the Movies That I Love series, I've done a few, including, I suppose you could say Game Night is a romantic comedy, but 500 Days of Summer. And I've talked about tangentially the horrifically bad romantic comedy that Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher did on Netflix recently. And talked about the Nancy Myers rom-com that was upcoming that was shelved by Netflix because she had a $130 million budget and they didn't want to do uh, more than that. And that rom-com was going to have Scarlett Johansson and Owen Wilson as elite. But romantic comedies, I will admit, are things that I like. I notice the older I get, the less I like... Well, you know, to be honest, I've never really liked horror. But the older I get... I I don't really care for action, especially as action has been funneled through the prism of, of MCU and DCU and, and Transformers and all these rehash IP. I don't care for those movies. I find them to be so hackneyed and predictable. And so even like 80s and 90s actions, I, I loved it. Die Hard, for example, or Aliens. That's one of the movies I love. But I don't really go back to, to the action movies. So I pretty much stick to romantic comedies, especially older ones. And then I, I still like British period movies or independent movies. Also, the other thing is I don't really like movies that are downers anymore. So even though the movie might be good, like Manchester by the Sea, I'm going to watch Manchester by the Sea one time. And that's pretty much it. And I talked about recently, Ray finds the, the menu... It's a well-made movie. I stopped watching it halfway through because it's just way too nihilistic. I don't need to see a chef essentially murder everybody in the restaurant. It's just these darker, these darker things I don't really want to watch. Fincher, I love Fincher's work, but you know, he does stuff on serial killers. I don't want to watch anything on serial killers. So either way, romantic comedies. It's a sinful pleasure I, I have because they take you away to a different place and I think when you're younger, you look at romantic comedies and see what you want your love life to be, and you think it's going to be like these rom-coms, and then when you get older and you're middle age, you kind of look back and say, wow, I wish my relationships were like this, or you watch them and, and it takes you back to a place and a time where maybe a snippet of your life where you did feel that, the boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, you know, all these things. So I think romantic comedies have always been around since the silent movie era, and they will continue to be around. In terms of their profitability, they're no longer profitable. And we've talked about that. I think episode 10 was how the movie theaters can survive post-COVID because they still haven't come back. Well, they just had CinemaScope probably about uh, two months ago, and uh, that's when they that's where the movie theater industry kind of tries to bring all these big movie stars in to push the the new movies that are going to be out this year. So, for example, at the last CinemaScope, 
They had Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling come out for Barbie. And uh, they had some other big stars come out because the theater industry is just dying right now. Because as much as MCU movies bring people in, that's pretty much the only thing that's bringing people in. And so romantic comedies used to do very well in the theaters. And they'd be very profitable because ultimately that's all Hollywood cares about is profitability and bankability of stars. So you can make a rom-com, you know, going back to the 80s or 90s, uh, for for twenty million dollars, and they can end up making maybe seventy million dollars, but that's four to five time profitability off of that. And so nowadays, the rom coms just aren't profitable. The other ones would be R rated comedies. You look at fifteen years ago with the peak Apatow period, they were doing well, and now comedies don't make money at the box office. So romantic comedies will still exist, but they're going straight to streaming. They're going straight to streaming. Either way, so what are some I guess, what are some archetypes that you see in romantic comedies that are pretty funny and not realistic? I think one of them is the virtue signaling beautiful female lead. And you see this in a lot of movies. Uh, for example, let's say Jerry Maguire with, with Renee Zellweger as Dorothy uh, Boyd. You see this played out in pretty much every rom-com that has Kate Hudson or Anne Hathaway or the, 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 the Bridget Jones series. You see these women who are obviously beautiful, but we're meant to believe at the beginning of the movie that they can't get a man. It's just laughably ridiculous, right? But they need to set up this trope because she is going to meet a man. And so why don't they have, aside from like the exception of Amy Schumer's Trainwreck and some other movies, why don't they have movies where the female protagonist is a complete whore? Why don't they have that? Why don't they have that where she is very successful with men and dates a lot of men. They don't do that, right? Because in romantic comedies, the woman, the, the movies are pretty much geared toward women and trying to convince women, especially when they were profitable, but back when they were in the theaters, to convince their boyfriends to go with them to see the movie. So it was really important that you didn't alienate the woman. And so by having a woman as we would use the term virtue signaling so at the beginning of the movie she's essentially an unsuccessful girl like she's uh, he's not that into you when uh, jennifer goodwin she's the lead in that movie and it's amazing she's the lead in that movie when you think that jennifer anderson's in that jennifer connelly's in it scarlett johansson's in it, bradley cooper but she's a she's an attractive wo woman and we're meant to believe that she has no luck with men i mean i, I can't tell you how many rom-coms use this trope so it's important that the females who go to the rom-coms kind of live vicariously through these people. And you see this played on Harlequin novels. One of the reasons why Harlequin novels have the same parallels, have the same tropes, is that the woman needs to relate to the character and like the character. And even if a woman has had a promiscuous, meretricious past, she's not going to want to see that portrayed out typically in the theater because she's trying to live and be the avatar of this person. The other thing that you're going to see in rom-coms that, that are pretty funny is the, the beauty of the woman. And I've talked about this before. Let's take a break. I know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is... The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
2017, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. So let's talk about the beauty of the woman. I've mentioned this before, like Angelina Jolie, even if she wanted to do romantic comedies, would not be successful in romantic comedies. Why is that? Because she's not liked by women. Okay, well, why is she not? like? Obviously, she's not liked by a lot of people right now because after the whole Brad Pitt thing, I should try to destroy Brad Pitt. But even at her peak, let's say Tomb Raider, late 90s, early 2000s, she's too, she was too sexy, too beautiful. And if you notice the women who do the best at romantic comedies, it's women that are pretty, but not too pretty. They can be sexy, but they're not really meant to be sexy. So you look at someone like uh, Sandra Bullock, Sandy Bullock. Sandra Bullock is a beautiful woman. She has a weird nose, kind of a weird face, but she's attractive, but no one would say she's sexy. And when she tries to be sexy, and this is kind of a, a trope in a lot of her movies, like Miss Congeniality, for example, when she tries to break away from the uptight mold, like in the proposal, you think it's funny because she's not really sexy. You look at someone like Meg Ryan at her peak in the 90s, again, attractive woman. I think she's luminous and slippers in Seattle. I think that's the best she's ever looked in a movie. But no one would say that Meg Ryan is sexy. She's cute. You could look at Anne Hathaway in the early knots, late knots, when she was doing her little rom-com run. You can even say that with Princess Diaries and with uh, Ella Enchanted and then later on in Love and Other Drugs and some of the other rom-coms, Bride Wars. Same thing. She's cute, not sexy. Devil Wears Prada is not really a rom-com. Adrian Grenier, you know, you're horrible in that movie. I love you from Entourage, but that was poor casting. Again, Andy in that movie, and. Uh, her character, beautiful, obviously, and that and that's that that's another that's another kind of trope you see is like the beautiful woman who doesn't know how to dress. But either way, she's she's beautiful, but she's not sexy. And even when you glam her up at the end of the movie, she's not sexy. So Hollywood knows this. You gotta pick the right actresses that can be successful in rom coms. And typically, the trope or the model that you see, the archetype, is they're not going to put a fat ugly woman in the front of a rom-com and when they do it never works like when rebel wilson was in that rom-com with chris hemsworth where she wakes up and all these beautiful people like her it, it, it doesn't work people are let's let's admit it shallow both men and women when they go to the theaters or tv want to see handsome attractive beautiful people so you're never going to find like an unattractive woman in, in the lead in a rom-com but she's going to be cute but typically she's cute charming and a little awkward she rarely is ever sexy, super arrogant and confident, mean, domineering, and a total witch. You never see that because, again, 
it's relatability to the females who are going to see the movie. So she's got to be pretty. And also, remember, you got to get men to watch this if you really want it to be super successful. And so if the men are going to go see it, they're going to want to see a woman who's unattractive. They're not going to go see a Rebel Wilson comedy. They're going to go see a, a, a comedy if it's got... I'll say my girl Daisy Edgar Jones, even though she hasn't done a romantic comedy. But it's got to be someone who's pretty enough to bring the man, but not too pretty to alienate the woman. Another trope that you see in rom-coms is she domesticates the Chad. Okay, so in the beginning of a lot of these, think of Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise's character is very successful. Think of Hitch, the Will Smith movie. Think of Wedding Crashers. And again, some of these are not traditional rom-coms, even though I would say Wedding Crashers would be considered a rom-com. And that's another movies I love here. The beginning of the movie, the man that they meet is typically a charlatan, a cat, a Lothario, a playboy. And then what you see by the end of the movie is that the girl wins him over and gets him to marry or gets him to the, quote, happily ever after stage of, of the rom-com. And then we really never know what happens afterwards i think of the classic 90s gen x movie reality bites and i really need to do a treatment on this movie that's one of winona Ryder and ethan hawk and they're on and off again and then she meets ben stiller who is for every on every level the better choice for her to make in that movie he's responsible he's older he's got a career and Ethan Hawke's character, Troy, is a total douchebag. He's a complete douchebag, can't hold out a job, treats her like crap, but at the end, she chooses him. And then I would love to have seen the Reality Bite sequel one year later. Like, how long would that relationship lasted? But not long. But either way, if you look at these movies like Hitch, right? So Hitch is a, a player, and he succeeds all the time. He's given advice and all these things. By the end of the movie, he decides, in all these movies, go... Ghosts of Girlfriend's Past with McConaughey, all the McConaughey rom-coms. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, another one where he's very successful, beds a lot of women. By the end of the movie, the girl with the golden heart, who of course is not a whore because she's got a virtue signal, is able to get the guy to agree to get married. And so the, what are they telegraphing there? They're telegraphing there that, that you woman, even if you might have a lot of baggage, let's say, you have a lot of mental health problems, or maybe you're not in the best shape. Again, all these movies are programming. They're all programming, and they're trying to impart and telegraph a message. And the message here is, you can get the guy. You might not be perfect, but you can get the guy, and the guy will want to get married because you're great. Now, yes, if you meet 24-year-old Anne Hathaway, yes, there's a lot of guys who'll be like, I don't care, I've... I love my bachelor life, but I'll marry, you know, peak Anne Hathaway. But typically, I think this is a message that's bad to send to women because more often than not, the, the woman will be disappointed and delusioned or deluded in, when the man doesn't decide to want to be with her or marry her. And, and this is one of the problems with rom-coms. And we talk about just like the Disney mindset in general is when kids grow up watching Disney, think of all the, the princess movies, Beauty and the Bees and Aladdin, you know, like... Uh, Little Mermaid, all these, they get this idea, Snow White, Cinderella, that there's a Prince Charming and you know, I'm going to find my Prince Charming and he's going to be perfect and handsome and ambitious and have a castle and all these things. And ultimately, it's disappointing. But people who are, are pushed by Disney, this Disney mindset and then later the rom-com mindset, 
almost feel entitled that they're going to get this. And so when they can't get this, that the guy they get is unattractive or under, underemployed or a loser or treats them like crap, it, it keeps them in this state of perpetual stuntedness, I think, where they can never get to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe I'm not going to get the Prince Charming. Maybe I don't have the qualities it takes to get a Prince Charming. And you guys, you could flip this for men. Uh, you see the, the male rom-coms are the Judd Apatow movies or the ones he produces. She, uh, he's at it, she's out of your league. You look at Knocked Up, right? Would Seth Rogen ever get Katherine Heigl? Absolutely not. And you look at the Apatow movies, the Judd Apatow movies are the ones where it's the guy who's got no ambition, no looks, nothing about him that would attract the beautiful woman, but he gets the beautiful woman. So I think you see those, like if you're kind of a beta incel who watches those movies, then you think, yeah, my sparkling personality and my good heart, I'm gonna get the beautiful young woman. No, that's not how dating works. Dating is cruel. You like a woman, she doesn't like you. Some woman likes you, you don't like her. So it, it's very difficult. And I think a lot of the tropes that are perpetuated in rom-coms actually do us a disservice when it comes to intersexual dynamics and trying to find uh, somebody to, to marry if that's what you want. I think it does a great disservice. So these are just three tropes I wanted to bring up. Maybe I'll do a, a sequel later on, talk about uh, more tropes that we see in rom-coms. Guys, please write and review the Cinema Rag right now. It just helps with the algorithm to grow this channel. I appreciate all you guys who have reviewed on Apple and Spotify. I appreciate, I read those all the time. Please do that right now if you haven't done so already. There's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal to make a donation. The other one is a link to the website which hosts all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. But the best way to, to access them is just through Apple and through Spotify and through Amazon if you're on Amazon. Until next time, take care, God bless, and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.